You know, Eric, funny story to uh, kind of start things off. I guess not really that funny, but I got the mail the other day, and inside of it was... <laughs> I know. Inside of, it, inside of it was my AIA media pass, and that kind of made it all seem very real. We are, we are yeah. literally a month away from the season starting. Um, very exciting. Definitely exciting. Uh, starting up right now is another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show, part of the Arizona Varsity Podcast Network. That was a very bad transition, but we're going to run with it. My name is Zach Elvira, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. Eric, how excited are you for the fall sports season to be really just, a, you know, we talked about it last week, but just a month away or so? We're getting there. Um I'm excited too. I got my AA credentials. They're they're a yellow pass this year. Yeah, I saw cool. that. Yeah, I was kind of like a little a little surprised when I pulled them out of the envelope. Yeah, um, but it's it's cool, man. I'm excited for the games to start, and you know we've been covering practices all summer and everything, yep. but there's nothing quite like even in practice when they're getting really ready to um, put in plays kind of find the identity of the team and then once games actually start so yeah it's an exciting time it is it definitely is uh some teams are still you know up at summer camp this week i know school doesn't start for yep. several programs for at least another week or two i think all of chandler's back this week uh, actually i think they're back last week if i'm not mistaken um and then i know like uh, you know tempe union i think goes back next week so you know definitely Definitely getting there. So, you know, exciting times uh, for sure. Uh, in just a few minutes, Eric, you and I will uh, catch up on the Suns. I know it's been over a week now since they unfortunately lost and their season came to an end, including their championship hopes. Um, you also surprised me a little bit this week. You actually sent me an interview, a pre-recorded interview with your sister, who might be the best athlete in the Newman family. So we'll 100%. definitely... Uh, well, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, you know, Edie is, is, sounds great. Uh, she's a division one swimmer, so, uh, we won't spoil it too much, but definitely a very cool thing. And I want to know why you call her what you call her. I'm sure it's just, you know, a nickname, but, uh, regardless, it's just a different letter. got it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, speaking of the high school season, Eric, and this is, I think what we'll, uh, we'll start with right now, updated recommendations, and some guidelines, I guess you can say as well, from the AIA today. Um, not as much, I guess, press as they got last year, because obviously we kind of all expected that there wouldn't really be anything like holding back the season, even though cases are rising right now. Um, but probably the main talking point is the fact that if an athlete or coach is vaccinated against COVID-19, and fully vaccinated, not just, you know, one out of the two shots or, you know, if they got the one shot, then, you know, the Johnson Johnson one, I should say, um, you know, less than two weeks. It has to be full vaccination. They have to be post, you know, two weeks. Um, they do not have to quarantine if they are deemed a close contact of somebody. And on top of that, even if they are a close contact, if they have no symptoms, they don't even need to get a test which was also yeah. an option that the AIA kind of threw out there for unvaccinated individuals. 
I think it was like after 10 days, if you get a test and then right after that, if you still don't have any symptoms and the test is negative day 15, instead of having to go through screenings and everything like that, then you are basically ready to go back to, to play. Um, and yeah, I think and also, you know, a couple of things that we'll get into, but go ahead and share your thoughts. So it's not our job to tell people what to do no. um, with, with get vaccines or don't, um, you know, we both have our, our, our own personal opinions and everything and what we've done, but it's not our job to tell people um, what they should or shouldn't do. But this seems to make sense as a, um, a guideline. Like, and that's kind of the same thing with the AIA. Is they're not a health organization. Yeah. They, um, you know, they want to do what's best for their kids, but they also understand, it seems, that, you know, people are going to make their own decisions. And so they're, it makes sense the way that they've laid this out, that, um, you know, you can still play if you're unvaccinated, but, um, you know, you you have a couple extra steps you have to go through. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's incentivizing vaccines in a way, but not in a way that, um, you know, hinders anybody else necessarily. So it allows people to make their own choice, but um, puts in... I don't want to call it consequences, but, you know, in the most literal sense, consequences, if if you are to positive and have symptoms or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, on on top of that, you know, the part of the, the guidelines or the recommendations, this this actually, I think, is more of an actual guideline that the AIA is going to set forth with the with all these schools or make the schools do themselves. Basically, if you have and this is the same thing last year, if you have two or more cases and you have, you know, either less than 25 or more than 25 kids, depending on how many cases you have, uh, you actually have to uh, suspend all team activities for about eight days. Now, the main difference is that only goes for unvaccinated people. So basically, if you are a team of if you're a football team of 50 and let's say you have 30 kids that are vaccinated 20 that are not and it just so happens that every single player is deemed to be a close contact quote unquote to an individual that tests positive technically as long as those vaccinated kids do not have symptoms you don't actually have to forfeit any games because last year obviously your whole entire team would have to sit out right so now if you have a large majority and they don't have any symptoms, nothing like that, then you actually can continue. Obviously you're still missing some guys like most teams did last year, unfortunately, but it's just different. And and if, if there's a situation where you do have like a quote unquote outbreak, you know, you can still hold practices for vaccinated kids, but an unvaccinated kids, they recommend that they quarantine. It's very strange. Obviously. I mean, I hate to say it, but, no team is really going to follow that, honestly. Um, I mean, if they do, great. If not, I mean, I don't expect them to, to be completely honest, because I think at the end of the day, the schools do have the last or the the overall say. But um, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, I guess. But uh, regardless, I mean, it in, exactly put the guideline in is something to say whether or exactly. not. I mean, it, it's not up to us again whether they follow it yeah. or not, but they have to cover their bases. Exactly. So and that's where I think, you know, you know, it, it draws a line between guideline and recommendation. Now, the guideline, obviously, for unvaccinated or in general, I think kids, if they if they get COVID, they have symptoms, you still have to follow all the same protocol, get cleared by a physician, all that stuff that is still in play with the AIA. So, um, you know, none of that's going to change, obviously. But 
Um, I don't know. It, like to your point, I think it is kind of like an, an incentive in that case to get the vaccine. Um, obviously, you know, again, it's your choice. Do whatever you want. I'm not going to think of you any differently. And I know Eric won't either. And I'm sure the AIA won't either, to be completely honest. Well, part but, of it is I'm just um, not going to ask. Yeah, that's true. It's not my business. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but either way, still exciting. Um, we're getting there. We're getting to the point where, you know, helmets are going to come on pretty soon for football. Uh, you know, volleyball teams, golf you know, teams, they're all going to start their official practices here very, very soon. And it's exciting, man. I've missed sports. And I know it's like we were kind of. We, we were very inundated last year because everything was literally stacked on top of each other with the delays and all that in the fall. But I'm excited this year, man. It's going to be so much fun to be kind of in, in a quote unquote sense of normalcy. Now we'll see what happens, obviously, but I think it'll be awesome. Yeah, definitely. I think that there are some things that won't be completely normal, like the fact that we still yeah. have to do this regulation, but True. more than we had in the past yeah absolutely are you hearing anything from flagstaff as far as how they're gonna uh mandate fans and everything like, is it gonna be just full go then no restrictions i haven't heard anything otherwise yeah. so i guess i would just assume so like no one's yeah. come out and said anything in particular yeah i haven't heard anything from other schools here that's something i'm gonna dig on um as we get a little bit closer to the season just i to, think just to see just but... have, you know things can change in a month um yeah so you know you don't know something that could be in place now could change in two weeks or whatever yeah exactly and that's a that was a main point from the aia is that this is a living document so just like last year with the whole you know percentage possible or percentage of um what was it positivity rate was that what it was or was it something else yeah something like that anyway Oh, oh, cases per 10,000, I think it was. Yeah. Um, it's a living document. It can be changed. So don't be surprised if it does change for better or for worse. They're setting you up for that just in case. Now, it may not, of course, because there's not as many restrictions. But regardless, you know, be ready for that just in case. Um, yep. The Phoenix Suns, man. You know, I think... Last episode, we both said we were confident they'd be able to force a game seven, but they weren't stopping Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was phenomenal. That was so good. He was so incredible in that game six. And I think you and I even said it. And I think I mentioned this on Twitter. If it was the Bucks versus any other team in the West, I would hundred percent would have rooted for the Bucks. So actually, yep. yes. Am I sad that the Suns didn't didn't win? Obviously, but. It's it's a great thing for Milwaukee. It's a great thing for Giannis. It's a great thing for Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. I mean, they were phenomenal. PJ Tucker, the shoe god, he got he got his ring now. I mean, man, just you know, good for them. And, and it sucks that the the Suns went out like that, but there's still plenty to look forward to next year with Phoenix. Will they make it back to the finals? I don't know because obviously all of those other teams are going to be healthy, and who knows what's going to happen this offseason with so many you know free agents, but. Still, I mean, it's still going to be fun. It's something to look forward to. And that was the best, the best thing that Phoenix Suns gave us was something to look forward to and something to cheer about finally. Yeah, it was it was an incredible run. Um, you know, we've talked about this a few times now, but at the beginning of the season, we thought they would be maybe a playoff team, 
something yeah. like that. But we never expected it to be a finals run and contending and being up 2-0 in the championship round. And, um, you know, it's it was it was just so much fun. They they went through these crazy playoff series, so many close fun games. And, you know, I just I enjoyed a lot of it in a way that people just haven't enjoyed Phoenix Suns basketball in a long time. And yeah. that was a gift. Yeah. And so regardless of what happens in the future, this will always be a fun memory for Phoenix Suns fans. I mean, Western Conference champion isn't bad. That was still the first time yeah. they were able to do that in a long time. Yeah, and, so. and it just it just so happened they came up against a team that was perfectly formed and had a great scheme and great matchups against the Suns and then had – this guy who's won two MVPs and is unstoppable, and we've never seen someone like him in the league. All and at I the like, same time. And I like the fact that Milwaukee did it without having to go get superstars from other teams. Yeah, like they, I mean, like, you're you know right. what I mean? The, the core of their team is, you know, Middleton and Giannis were guys they drafted. They yeah. did go get Drew Holiday. Um, yeah, but, but, but would you can not in the same capacity as like, you know, they didn't get a Brooklyn did. Yeah, like what Brooklyn did. Well, not yeah. not even just Kevin Durant in the offseason. I'm talking more like James Harden in the middle of the season, Blake Griffin, like, yeah. you know, they formed a super team right before the deadline. Whereas obviously, you know, I mean, Drew Holiday is definitely good. I wouldn't put him in the same, you know, class as James Harden, though, when it comes to like NBA. No, status. absolutely not. No, you're right. But you are you're correct in that if people want to say there's a right way to do it, like you know you grow your own talent and yep. um, a lot of their guys that even their their some of their other contributors like Pat Connaughton um, is a guy that's been around that team for a while. Chris Middleton and Giannis for guys they drafted and you know have developed for this long time. So you're right. It if that's what. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to say is the right way to do it. They did it that way. Yeah. And I, did you see, by the way, in his uh, post-game press conference, when I think it was one of the reporters, they brought up the fact that Giannis said that he wants to stay in Milwaukee because he wants to bring a championship to the city. And he goes, oh, that's right. Can I leave now? <laughs> <laughs> it's cold it was, there, man. The uh, winter in Milwaukee's rough. I've been there. <laughs> He's like, and he even said, he's like, I want to, he's like, I request a trade or something like that. And then I, the very next day after they won the championship, I think he was with, he, he might've been with Chris Middleton. He was with some other player, I, I think anyway. And they were actually went to, to Chick-fil-A and they ordered like 50, like chicken somethings. And he said, not 49, not 51. I, I want it. Yeah. 50 nuggets. He's like, I want exactly 50 nuggets. And they had the the MVP trophy and the uh, the Larry O'Brien in the back seat, which was I think really really funny. Yeah, that's really funny. I I um, like that a lot. It's you know a couple of years ago it was Kawhi Leonard saying what it do. Um, yeah. You know, there's always some like funny kind of thing that happens from a lot of these. Um, you know, they speaking have these moments that they're not able to have another time. Exactly. Speaking of Kawhi Leonard and kind of off topic a little bit, but still has to do with Milwaukee Bucks. I think it was like. Two years ago, uh, Kawhi got called for like a travel vi- traveling violation in Milwaukee, and they actually played his laugh over the loudspeaker. Yes, yep. <laughs> it was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. Funny. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, it's great oh, trolling, man. Uh, 
So good. So good. Uh, Larry O'Brien trophy showed up in a beautiful Louis Vuitton suitcase. Did you see that? I did. It was interesting. I'd never seen that before. And maybe wonder, they've always done that and they just never showed it. But I, want, I wonder correct. how much yeah, that thing... I have to imagine how much that's worth. $5? Probably. You know, I mean, it's yeah. probably fake, right? It's probably just fake. Yeah, who knows? I'm, I'm not... Look it up. I don't know. I don't... How are you going to look it up? Um, I just typed in... Louis Vuitton, Larry O'Brien. And I've actually, I actually, I found it right now. Let me see if I can find the price really? though within here. Yeah, it came up right away. Uh, Good for let me that. see. Nope. It doesn't have the price though. It has a picture of it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's probably custom made by them. And like, you know, they, they had a price for it, but it's not like, I don't think you can go to LouisVuitton.com or whatever the website is and order that bag. I mean... I wish you could though. Would you? I mean, well, how much is how much is the trophy alone? The trophy's got to be. Oh yeah, well, the, the trophy's, trophy's almost not worth a certain amount of money. You can't buy the trophy. That's the thing. Is like you know, it's worth something. I guess the medal or well, whatever. But according it according to this, say, it's it's according to this, it's thirteen thousand five hundred for the trophy. Yeah. Well. I guess that makes sense, probably because of the metal and everything like that. But, like, who's going to sell you the trophy? Um, I don't know. You could put any I mean, obviously nobody because it, it would. Yeah. Well, I mean, typically it would go where? In, in a team's arena. So it's not. It's probably never yeah, going to be put it in for sale arena. anywhere. No one's going to sell it. You can't just, like, have it at home. Yeah. Yeah, there is no price on the on the suitcase, by the way. Yeah, I bet it's custom made, and they probably made it just for that. Maybe the NBA didn't even have to pay for it. Louis Vuitton was probably happy to have the advertisement. I don't know, but if I had to guess, something like that. It said it took uh, a few craftsmen like over 100 hours. Six craftsmen, wow. craftsmen, 100 hours to complete at Louis Vuitton's famous workshop in, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that city in France. Fair so enough. I, I, if I had to guess, I would say probably at least 100 grand, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You going to buy one? I am not. I'm not, not much of a purse person. Um, I don't it's not think a, I it's own not a purse. Louis- it's, a, it's a travel case. Oh. Yeah, fair enough. I don't own any Louis Vuitton anything. Um, and I will be surprised. Maybe I will someday. Maybe that should be a goal of mine to get a Louis Vuitton thing. I could buy like a Louis Vuitton poster. Um that's ripped off somewhere but yeah here's a steamer um a steamer trunk from louis vuitton twenty eight thousand dollars wow that's a lot of money it is a lot of money yeah are you gonna get one yeah nah i'll hold off i have other things i want to yeah. buy yeah <laughs> like uh well you've got the ps5 now so you're in that elite category is that, is that an elite category yeah, because no one else can get them. It's so difficult. I did not pay resale, by the way. I did not pay resale for Good. it. I did, I did, I did that get makes it. it even more rare that you didn't have to spend the trillion dollars to buy it. I should have sold it, honestly. You could have bought two of them for the price of one. You just would have had to wait several months. If I sold it? Yeah. 
because if you sold it, you could sell it on the, you know, resell it and make a few hundred bucks. Um, yeah. And then, you know, buy buy it at regular price once it actually comes out again and have the extra profit. Yeah, I think they still are going for like seven fifty right now. Yeah, they are. People are so people want them so badly, and it's so difficult to come upon one um, that yeah, people are paying that extra money because there's the market there for it. Yeah. You know, what's actually funny is I also got an Xbox for my cousin. Now, obviously, they paid me for it, but I was actually able to get uh, the PS5. And on the same exact day, I got the Xbox from Walmart. Yeah, that's crazy. And I don't know how I did that, but because they dropped them at the separate times. So I got my PS5 and I was like, hmm, Xbox. I know my cousin wants one. So, you know, you're already in that mode where you have some you've had some luck. Might as well keep it going. Yeah. But now I got to. Now I got to get an Xbox uh, for myself once the new Halo comes out. Do you do you have a particular favorite Olympic sport that you've been watching? I I know we have our own things we have to cover, but um, it, the Summer Olympics is obviously a big thing, and we've got some Arizona athletes competing and everything. But um, do you have something you enjoy the most? Uh, that was a very good subject change, by the way, from Halo. Yes, I'm really glad you, you, we, I'm, I'm glad we didn't, we didn't get going on that too much, but, uh, um, honestly, I, I'm kind of one of those who really just, I kind of just like looking or watching all of them. Like, there's not really one in particular that I like get super excited for. And there's not one that I like, you know, like moan and groan whenever it's on because I don't want to watch it. Like, I, I just kind of enjoy it in general. I mean, it only comes around every four years, in this case, five years because of the pandemic. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy it personally. And obviously, I mean, the Summer Olympics, not the winter. I know that's, you know, they're two years apart, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I will I, agree with you ostensibly, but there are there are a small number of ones that I won't watch. I'm not interested in trap shooting. Um, okay. It just, I mean, I know it takes a lot of skill to be good at that. I'm just not really interested in it. In watching yeah. people shoot, play pigeons. Um, I, I don't dislike swimming, but the long events get pretty boring to me. Like, I love a good 200 free or something like that, where it's over yeah. in a few minutes. The whole thing is exciting because it's going back and forth. But like, you know, when they swim a 500 or, you know, a long relay or whatever, it kind of ends up being a little bit, um, it, it goes long. And it's funny because we, we talk about swimming with my sister in the interview that comes up. Um, but yeah, it was, um, the, there are just certain things like the length. I can't really watch the marathon. I respect the runners. And I think it's an incredible accomplishment to run a marathon, much less do it fast. But, yeah. you know, it's not something you can sit and watch the whole time. But I, I agree with you. A lot of the team sports and everything that I wouldn't normally watch throughout the year, it's it's just really fun. Yeah, I, I think definitely. I mean, I think there's always, especially because of how good the U.S. is, I think there's always an extra, like, hype around, obviously, the basketball teams and you know, people want to see the soccer teams do really well. Obviously, track and field is very cool, too. But for some reason, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, do you feel like the the gymnastics, both men and women, get a little bit more attention because of how successful they've been in years past? I, I would assume so. Yeah. Like, in terms of our American broadcasts and everything, we just have for for so many years, had so many amazing gymnasts. It's different generations yeah. 
um, you know, Sean Johnson and Nastia Lukin to Gabby Douglas to now Simone mm-hmm. Biles. It's just every single t- every single Olympic cycle, there's a new you know prodigy coming out that's amazing in their own capacity and has their own cool stories. So I would agree with you. I think they probably get better scheduling times and yeah. um, you know with with it being in Japan, it's very easy for an event to come on at 4 a.m. our time. Yeah. But it seems like they're doing a good enough job of um, keeping those in a in a time zone that we can kind of um, view easier and pay more attention to. Yeah. Well, I think some events, too, they actually tape them and then they rebroadcast them in prime time, too. Right. NBC. Yeah, no, is. you're absolutely yeah. right. But you can still find... Like, you know, if Simone Biles were to win a gold medal and it was pre-recorded, you would see it all over Twitter and Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And it would so. and I'm sure people would still watch it, but it wouldn't be as many as if it were live. Yeah. And you know, just to your point, there are several Arizonans actually in the Olympics right now. Um Yeah. You know, just to name a few, some of them that, you know, we're actually pretty familiar with. Uh Devin Allen played at Brophy. Uh, went on to Oregon. He he ran track and field and actually played football there at Oregon. Um, you know, you've got Julie Ertz, obviously Zach Ertz the, is is her husband. Uh, she's on you know Team USA soccer. She has been for a while actually. Um, uh, Pride of Tempe, uh, Maceo Brown. I hope I said his first name right. He's a, he's there for rugby right now. Uh, Jagger Eaton, who obviously has created a name for himself in the skateboard scene, along with Alana Smith, they're both 20 years old and competing in the Olympics. How cool is that? I love skateboarding this year. It's been one of my absolute favorite things to watch. It has been, it's obviously the first time they're doing it, but the format's great. Um, it goes really quick. They go trick after trick. You don't have to sit around and wait much. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the two girls in the street skating yesterday was a thir- two 13-year-olds got silver and wow. gold, and a 16-year-old got bronze. So, I mean, that was just incredible. Two Japanese girls got the, the gold and bronze, and then the Brazilian girl who's 13 got silver. I forget her name off the top of my head. But yeah. it was I mean, incredible that you can be that young and medal in, a, in an Olympic Games. It's something that's super fun and they seem like they were just all enjoying themselves so much like obviously it's intense competition but you know they were all cheering each other on and all having a great time and really just felt in a way like some people at the skate park having fun together yeah absolutely it's really cool and you know uh you know michaela skinner jade carey both uh you know gymnasts they're they're representing uh arizona very well unfortunately for uh I think it was it both of them or just Mike or just uh, Michaela, who was kind of the victim of that weird rule where only two from the U.S. can advance or something like that. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to advance, but she still got to go to Tokyo, which is very cool. So, um, you know, just in general, I mean, just it's such a cool experience. And um, I I really hope that I don't know if he has already or not. I haven't been able to watch a ton of the Olympics, but I do want to see Devin Allen um perform on the on the track there and then uh from tucson um probably the actually i'm looking at it i think he's the oldest competitor from arizona uh i hope i say his name right if not i'm so sorry abdi abdiraham abdiraman something like that he's from tucson he's a track and field athlete he's 44 years old yeah he there there's a book coming out about him called you don't know abdi um he's oh, that's been, cool. it's his fifth olympics 
That's awesome. Who is yeah. that? Isn't, isn't there a gymnast who's like 48 or like in her 50s from a small country? I know who you're talking about. I can't yeah. remember the name. Yeah, I can't remember her name either, but isn't she like in her 50s? Something like that. Just has been as at super like high amounts of Olympics. and That's so um, cool, man. Been around forever. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, you love seeing that. At, at the opposite spectrum is the 13-year-olds meddling. And then right, you've got, yeah. That has just dedicated their entire life, decades, to yeah. their sport. So it's it's just fun. Yeah. And you get but, to see things that you're not normally watching. And exactly. it's not even necessarily that we don't like the sports. Like, you know, I'm, I've been watching handball, I think, is a fun yeah. sport. <laughs> uh, we were talking about it before. It's a weird game that I don't even know that I understand completely. But um i i i like it and it's not something i would would normally watch just because it's not broadcast a whole lot exactly exactly so uh one of my favorite events also to watch is anything swimming and i always wonder to myself just how difficult is it to compete in swimming and and, and, you know i feel like that's something i've never actually asked any of the athletes here which is kind of a mistake on my part but I mean, I know it's something that obviously you know because of your sister, and that kind of, I guess, makes me want to jump into her to your interview with her because you did talk about swimming. Now you were also not very serious about some of the stuff. However, you did get to the point with, you know, like how difficult it is to actually swim, like the mile and all of that stuff. So, you know, what do you say we jump in and we listen to that, and then we can uh, kind of talk about, I guess, what what we heard from you, which was, again unfortunate that you decided to take it in this light but actually i don't even want to say unfortunate i'm too i'm being too hard on you it was funny but i could tell that your sister was like oh geez here we go because she's used to it right yep yeah yeah so let's listen to (laughs) edie newman my sister she's uh she's going to her junior year at tulane university in uh louisiana and new orleans and she spent the last two years on the swim team there um and we did i think it was about 20 minutes so I'm here with my sister, Edie, Edie Newman. We call her Odin at the house. Um, she is a Tulane University student. She swam on the swim team there the last two years. Edie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. You are, you know, growing up, I was always the athlete in the family, and then you took over that mantle. Our other two siblings didn't really, they played sports, but it wasn't as big of a part of their life. And then you absolutely just overlapped anybody um, in our family in terms of athleticism and going and doing division one swimming, um, spending all that time doing all, getting all the, you know, going to state and high school and everything like that. Do you, do you think that swimming has been just like a big part of um what you've become as a person so far in your life yeah I would say that it has been a big personality trait of mine especially in high school where I would have practice at 5 a.m go there go straight to school where I hung out with all the swimmers and then went straight back to practice got home at like 5 p.m it's kind of hard when you're spending that much time in the pool and with other swimmers not to have it be such a big part of your personality. How often do people pee in the pool? I know the <laughs> pools are so cold. How often do people pee in it? Um, 
pretty often. I would say, especially at big meets where you have to wear your knee skins, which are the, <laughs> for well, for people who don't know what those are, they're basically just a super tight suit that goes from your knees up and it takes maybe 30-ish minutes to get on. So you don't have time to go to the bathroom, take it off, put it back on. So it's easier just to hop in the pool. So do you know when people are peeing in the pool? Like, are they, is it pretty obvious? Like if they go in for 20 seconds and then get back out? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. They just kind of float there. <laughs> what? How does it take so, like, what is that process? Like, I know it takes a while, but how does it take so long to put on the swimsuit? It's just insanely tight. I mean, it like squishes you to two sizes smaller than you actually are. How does that ha- like what do you do? Do you just like sit there and just tug on it for a half hour? Pretty much, yeah. It's like you it it feels like you're not even getting the suit up anywhere. You're like grasping at the little tiny seam you can find and just yanking as hard as you can to maybe get it up one millimeter at a time. It's like I I'm I'm glad I don't have to put those suits on anymore. Honestly, it was that's always the worst part of swimming. Do you, do you feel like Superman when you have it on though? Like, you know, it's yeah. it's part of your body at that point. Yes, for sure. Especially when it's brand new, because when you get out of the water, all the water just like runs off of it in beads. So it feels really cool. But what about the pee? Does that stay on you? Um, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I haven't thought about that, but I would assume not. <laughs> I mean, it's still a swimsuit. It's not like okay. It's so obviously, when you swim long distance, or as that's what you always did, you swim the mile and all this other stuff that is foreign to me in yes. in your ability to do it. It's obviously so much conditioning and cardio workout. Did anyone ever vomit in the pool? I um, there was one swim meet that someone did puke in the pool. But it was some it was some random person. I didn't know who it was, but never at practice. No. Never at practice. What happens when someone pukes in the pool? Do they just have to stop the whole meet? Yeah, so they they stop the meet, fish out whatever needs to be <laughs> fished out, and then they shock the pool for 30 minutes, and then you can go back in. Is it weird getting back in after that? You're like, oh, someone just vomited in this. I guess. It's... You know what? It's better than some someone doing something else in the pool. So. I guess. And I mean, everyone's sweating in it and everything anyway. Um, yeah. It, you don't really think about it. Yeah. When you're swimming, you're so tired and whatever um, that exactly. you probably, you're like, okay, whatever. As long as I can get in and get out. Yeah. And plus, like, when you're racing, you're not really thinking about anything else yeah. besides the race. You're not sitting there thinking who's peeing right now. No. <laughs> Does that give you an extra stream? Um, some uh, if you pee in the middle of the race. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess so. I personally am not able to swim and pee at the same time. I have to stop moving, so I guess it would slow me down. That's too bad. Yeah. How have you ever hit your head doing a flip turn? I have not, but I know. S- a lot of um, new swimmers tend to do that, like when they're not used to. So if they're like seven years old. 
Yeah, or they have, like, even if you're older and you're just learning how to swim. Cause, because learning to do flip turns is kind of hard, you know, you... I can't do one. Yeah, you're, I mean, flipping in the middle of the pool is one thing, but flipping right at the wall when you're a few inches away and not hitting your head is a difficult skill to learn. Did you ever see anyone in practice or meet any or anything hit their head or do anything stupid or not stupid, stupid is the wrong word, but do anything funny when they were trying to do a flip turn? Um, well, I guess the main part is, I don't know if you have heard about how awful neat warmups are for swimmers, but no. basically it's like you're crowding maybe 30 people into one lane but that's for all eight lanes. So, you know, there's so many people in the water and you're just at each other's feet, barely moving. It's just so crowded and you're hitting each other, all that stuff. But one thing about meat warm-up is you're not technically allowed to like jump in the pool. You're supposed to slide in at a lot of places because if you're not paying attention, you could easily jump on someone. So like, I remember once at a meet, someone was doing a flip turn and then someone at the end of the pool jumped in and landed on them and they got to <laughs> them. So I would say that's probably the silliest thing I've seen. If someone's right behind you that like a rival, do you kick them and pretend it was an accident? <laughs> I, I actually do. Ac- I did accidentally kick people a lot of times. Oh, accident, accidentally quote unquote or actually, actually accidentally. Actually no quotes. That's too bad. I got kicked in my, in the face a fair share. that seems like a dangerous thing like why don't they just do one team at a time or something like that it would take i mean meat warm-up takes 30 to 45 minutes so there's no time oh for that but do you open water is even worse for who's your biggest rival in swimming for high school college any it could have been when you were four if you want it to be that (laughs) I don't know if I ever really had a big rival. Um, No, I can't really think of, because I, there's not that many people that do distance swimming. No one's crazy enough to want to do it. So I guess I never really had a big rival. It was always just whoever was next to me. I did one open water thing where I did uh, I think a third of a mile. And at the end of it, I felt like I was going to explode <sighs> at like at the half mile. And then like two thirds in or whatever. Are you just, are you, uh, how is your body feeling? Bad. Really? <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. It. I mean, it, sometimes like my best mile ever was at conference freshman year of college. And I just completely blacked out in the middle of it. Like I, I was there and in a lot of pain for the first maybe five minutes of the race. And then all of a sudden I'm back in it and there's only, you know, two laps left. And I'm like, what, what just happened? You know, and all I feel, I don't, I'm not thinking anything. All I'm just feeling is immense pain. Do do people tell you not to eat before your race? Like, you know, at the beach, they say an hour between eating or whatever. But is that, is that true there too? Like, what if you have a bunch of Doritos? Does it help you float better or something? No, your stomach would just hurt. No, there's no rule for how long you're supposed to wait before eating. Or no, you're, there's no rule on how long you're supposed to wait after eating before swimming. But there's a lot of people who actually like to, especially sprinters, like right before the race, have 
some energy shoes or something to get their sugar going again. But I try to avoid eating right before distance events just because it sits in your stomach. And you Does anyone ever time. fart in the pool? Uh, maybe. <laughs> But it's not, it's not as big of, as a, as a, of a peeing thing. Yeah. I guess that's something also, it's just weirder to talk about. Yeah. My teammate and be like, Hey, (laughs) what is the weirdest thing you guys talk about as swimmers? Like, obviously you're talking about the races and stuff, but what do you talk about? That's strange. (laughs) Um, anything, I mean, during practice, sometimes when it's so awful and you finally have a short little break, you try to tell a story from something that happened the week before something. Like, there's not really anything specifically strange we talk about. It's just our lives and stuff. I didn't know if there was, like, some, you know, in different sports, they have the different things they complain about. But I guess you yeah, don't have yeah. referees in the same sense. Like, you have someone paying attention to all that stuff and the timer and everything. But, um, yeah. It's hard to, you know, you can't argue calls necessarily or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, if you get disqualified for something, it's it's always pretty obvious. The only the only time people really argue with the referees, they're called we call them officials, um, is in relays a lot of times. Like if so, you know, the one person touches the wall and the other person dives in. And so if the person dives in too early the official might call it and disqualify the whole relay. So we've gotten in some arguments about that, especially at big meets. Have you ever screamed at an official? No, because I'm never in relays since those are always sprinters. Like it's always sprinters that are in the relays. Fair enough. There's never a mile relay or anything like that. Yeah. There's um, the longest relay is an 800 free relay. So it's four people do a 200, which is, four laps each. So that, I mean, that one is usually more mid distance or distance swimmers, but have, have you ever cheated in swimming? In practice? Yeah, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. I mean, especially during cool down and stuff, if the coach isn't really watching you and she just says, my coach just says like, go do a 500 or something. I would <laughs> i guess you can't cheat in that much in an actual meet or whatever because you have to go like you you wouldn't anyway because you're not into that but i don't even know how you would cheat in swimming i guess you can't you could go early but you would get disqualified or whatever but like yeah there's no way to cheat because there's also an official like counting laps have you ever seen a fight in a swimming meet no, I've seen people get really angry and throw their caps and goggles and stuff. I had a teammate. At each other? Do that. No, just not like the wall or anything like that. But never, did, like, no fights. Did anyone ever pick a fight with you or throw anything at you? No. Why not? I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, well, <laughs> I did have a coach. I, I guess I have had coaches like yell at me and stuff, but never throw anything. I feel like they would get fired if they threw something at me. That's true. Yeah. That doesn't sound like it's a good thing for a coach to do. Have you ever screamed at anyone in the pool? Mm, no. I get re- I've get i gotten really, really angry, but I've never screamed at anyone. Because at the end of the day, it's like 
it's such an individual sport. It's not like it, I mean, besides realize it's all individual. So if I lose to someone, it's my fault. That's fair. But what did you get angry at another person about? Lose. I, I don't like to lose, but I do a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> especially, in, especially in college since, I mean, Tulane is such a great school and I was definitely towards the lower end of the crew. So, you know, you went to school. That's just where you picked to go anyway. Um, but, and then you ended up swimming there. Was that kind of a wild transition to go from, you know, you didn't know where you were going to go to college. You pick somewhere. You didn't know if you were going to swim again. And then all of a sudden you're doing two years of division one swimming. You walk on and everything. Yeah, it was definitely, I definitely think about what my, first two years of college would be like without it, but it honestly kind of kept me sane last year. And it also made me crazy, but it was nice to have some consistency in my life, you know, having practice and stuff during the pandemic when, well, I guess I had six months of the pandemic, like March to August, I didn't swim. But once I got back to school in August, we had practice once or twice, usually twice a day. And, you know, it was nice to when the world was so crazy to have something normal that you always knew was going to be there. So I guess it was, it was a weird, it was a weird experience, but it was a good experience. Is it hard for you in a pool to not want to just like, you know, if you just go in a pool or whatever um, to hang out, is it hard for you to not start swimming laps? Yeah. I mean, you, you saw that when I visited you last week, I wanted to, if I had a pair of goggles, I would have just started to swim. I definitely have never been to the pool just to relax. That'll be a new thing. You can start. You're not yeah. 21 yet, so you can't have them, but you could bring a drink to the pool. Um, just hang out, something that you haven't been able to do before. Maybe get yeah. your first puke in the pool. Oh, I, I would prefer not to, but. That's too bad. What's the craziest thing you ever saw at a swim meet? Craziest thing? I don't know. There's nothing There's nothing really crazy that happens at meets. I mean, when we were younger, they would try to make meets fun, like especially Rochester Swim Club, which is what I was on at the end of high school. Um, that was my club team. They were pretty good about trying to make swim meets entertaining, especially for kids, so they would like – play music during warm-ups and everyone would dance to it and coaches would come in crazy outfits. So I guess, I mean, that's, that's might be the craziest thing I've seen, which is not that exciting, but. I saw one swim meet when you were uh, really young and I was in high school, I think, and you and our brother Elliot were um, in the meet and they did the YMCA before. And I was, I didn't know they were going to do that. Um, So all of a sudden, I just think there's going to be people swimming and whatever, but ever all the little kids get out of the pool and there's adults <laughs> trying to get them to do YMCA. It was really strange. Um, yeah. So I, I feel that. And then, uh, and then Elliot was the only one at the whole meet who didn't wear a swim cap because I think he thought it was too tight on his head or something like that. And his goggles yeah. fell off in the middle of the, the race. Did that ever happen to you? Mm. I, I've had my goggles fill up with water, but that's like my, my biggest fear is my goggles filling up with water falling off or my cat falling off. I have had my cat fall off multiple times in the mile. 
Why is that your biggest fear? Just because you get water in your eye or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I am, I'm a pretty nervous person anyway, so I like to <laughs> be able to find things to worry about. But when you're, when you're swimming a mile, you know, it's a 17-minute race, the last thing you want is to not be able to see the whole time. You know, there's so many other things that could go wrong with how you feel. So, like, a cat falling off goggles – Filling up so the water, your suit ripping. If you can't that. see, do you just do you just like close your eyes and hope you don't hit the wall? Um, usually, you just kind of yeah. I guess you well, you have to open your eyes and just deal with the burning sensation. I don't know. Like you have to be able to see. You can't just play through the pain. Yeah, my coach in college actually once a year would make us swim for like five minutes with no goggles. That's mean. <laughs> What's the point of that? You're supposed to be aware enough of your surroundings that if anything happens in the race, like your goggles breaking or something that you're able to still swim and not worry about that. That's like playing football without a helmet for yeah. five minutes. <laughs> That's so silly. Yeah. Or playing I mean, basketball I- without fitting shoes like oh let's see what we can do to um to make it less comfortable for you and less safe yeah and then they wonder why we're going slow for those five minutes (laughs) i mean i guess in theory that makes sense you don't if you have something you can't control something like that so you should be able to just keep competing but i guess but also like that sounds awful yeah it is. It is. Edie, what I'm going to leave it to you. You get to say one phrase to end the interview. Oh. We're, we're at the end. You can it can be a word of advice to your younger self. It can be your astrological sign. It can be you <laughs> making a pig noise if you want it to be. What do you have to say? Mm-mm. Well, my astrological sign is Aquarius, so I always thought that was, like, some indication that I should be a swimmer. You know, Aquarius is a water sign, I think. Sounds like water. So, I guess that's not a good way to end it off, but that's just a little is. It is. Thank you, Odin, for taking the time. I know I surprised you with this, but you're the the only real athlete in the Newman family, so thank (laughs) you for, for taking the time. Well, now I'm officially a NARP. But, what is that? Yeah. Uh, that's a when you're not an athlete, you're called a NARP, which is a non-athletic regular person. It's not the nicest. <laughs> a NARP. Thing. Yes. I guess that makes me one because I never heard of that before. I guess so. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Thank you, Edie. Yeah. No problem. All right. Thank you again to, of course, Eric, who's still with me, obviously. And then also uh, his sister, Edie, who, like he mentioned, going into her junior year at Tulane University, I think the, the on the swim team as well. I think my favorite part of that, Eric, and I mentioned it before we played that, you know, pre-recorded interview, but she wasn't phased by any of your questions. I mean, you literally went from, you know, you to the spectrum of not wanting to eat Doritos before before a swim meet to has anybody ever thrown up in the pool? Um, so you covered all bases there for the most part. But just in general, I think I think one of the things that really stood out to me with this interview, 
And it kind of resonates with all the other athletes as well, especially this past season where they weren't sure if they were going to have, you know, an opportunity to compete in their sports, stuff like that. You know, she was obviously part of those college athletes that had to go home when the pandemic first started. She wasn't able to do anything for a certain amount of months. And then finally, she's able to go back to Tulane. She's able to go back into a sense of normalcy, going to school, you know, seeing some of her friends, seeing her teammates, doing practices two times a day, like she said. And it brought a sense of normalcy for her. And it made it made her forget about all the craziness that was happening at that time. I think that shows and we, we've talked about this and people listening are sports fans. They know this, too, but. That shows just how powerful sports can be and how they really can be an escape for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. It gives you, even for just a couple hours, um, you can forget that some of this stuff is happening and not forget in just to say like you're not thinking and being responsible, but forget in a way that's just you're not stressing about some of the things in life all the time. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, yep. it was it was just and it really is one of those things. I mean, you know, I played football. Like it, for me playing football, even though it's just an adult pop warner, like I don't get paid for it, you know. I don't get I don't expect recognition or coverage for it whatever. I do it honestly just as an escape. Just kind of an escape yep. from reality for a couple hours a week and it's just it sometimes we need that. You know, just to stay mentally sane. Yep, that's absolutely right. I think that's such a big part of sports and, um, you know, playing as an adult, especially when it's not about necessarily like, you know, getting a scholarship or whatever, even in college, you're, you're competing because you want to represent the school and everything, but she's not going to go pro. That's not her goal. Um, and you know, having something that brings you together and you can enjoy yourself for, for a while is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, did you record that when she was in town with you for, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago? No, I actually, um, I don't know if I could give away all the details because she's got a summer job. But um, let's just say I called her completely out of the blue one day. Uh, she wasn't <laughs> expecting it. I told her that maybe we'd do an interview sometime. But I'm like, hey, Edie, look at your email. I just sent you something. And all of a sudden, we're interviewing. That's so awesome. She's fun. a good sport. She sounds like a good yeah. sport, at least. So, uh, well, Edie... she's the youngest of four Newman kids, and oh, so we she's all gone... have our own little. She's uh, dealt with it her whole. Life. Yeah, she she's gone I'm through it, huh? Brother. She's gone yeah. through it. <laughs> and the thing is that uh, she didn't talk about it, but she can give it back in her own way too. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to. Yeah, and that was the thing too that I already mentioned, but she just seems so comfortable with all of your weird questions. Well, it's literally been her whole life. She's been around me. So yeah, um, you do it after a while. Yeah, it's that's funny. Uh, Edie, thank you so much. If you're listening, thank you for obviously taking the time to speak with Eric. And hopefully next time I'll be able to jump in and, you know, maybe give you some normal questions. Actually, no, I probably won't. I'll probably also just go right along with Eric, because at this point, I think him and I, we just like to be weird on this show. So um, but well, regardless, the thing is, <laughs> we enjoy it. But also, like, neither of us know enough about swimming um that we can uh, really get into in-depth things yeah i was actually very uh impressed that she's never hit her head when she's uh gone yeah i was too that was a big thing i'm sure i would hit my head all the time 
Well, especially because she said that her goggles have filled up with water before. So like, I'm I, I'm thinking to myself, geez, I wouldn't be able to see anything. I'd smack my head right on the wall. Yep, exactly. Although so, if you if you spend years and years doing laps, you probably have some sort of idea. That's true. You have an idea of like where you need to go and when you need to start making your turn and everything like that. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So what what I thought was also kind of I don't want to say I guess I should really should be surprised by this, but in an actual swim meet, if someone does get sick in the pool and they have to stop everything, do they start the race over? Like, let's say it's in the middle of that specific race. Do they start it over or do they just, you know, basically you have to go to wherever you were in the pool and you have to just go from there? That is a good question. We didn't get into that. I have seen, though, this is a change of subject. But yeah. when I was a senior in high school, um, there was a guy on another team we were playing. I did, I wasn't playing against him. He was playing against one of my teammates. Yeah. And in the middle of the state tournament, he hit a backhand and just projectile vomited as soon as it came out. <laughs> <laughs> it was super bizarre. And I don't know many of the details because I was in the middle of my own match, but I like yeah. I looked over to another court and I just see this dude hitting a high backhand and all of a sudden bile is coming out. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Um, so that is the story there. I think they cleaned up. Luckily, that was hard floor. It was yeah. on concrete up this court, but it was certainly um, different than puking in water where it can spread out everywhere. Uh, that's my one athlete puke story that I have. Okay. Warning for anybody that has a sensitive stomach, but can you imagine being in the lane next to that person that threw up in the, in the pool? And it floating over, and you as you're oh, going. Oh yeah, that'd be so gross. And you accident. Like, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Gosh. It's disgusting. You're absolutely yeah. right. That'd be terrible. Um, I have to ask though, when with the dude that that threw up while you guys were playing, was it like while he was like, like, because you know, obviously, I'm sure you did it, but like, you're exerting a lot of force, so you go uh and all that, right? Do you think it was like yeah. one of those situations where he went to, he meant to go uh, and instead he went. Ugh. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it was. I mean, it was literally as he hit his backhand. Um, it That's happened. A, yeah. So it was nice. It was not something you could plan for. Was it mom's spaghetti? That I mean, it could have been. I don't I can't say I remember the contents okay. or the color or anything of that sort. I just remember it happening because I have to imagine that, you know, his palms were pretty sweaty. And, you know, his yeah. knees might have been weak, too, if he had, you know, I've already been playing for a while. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it, on the surface. He was calm and ready. But yeah, um, the whole crowd grew so loud. OK, we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He was nervous, though. You know, what yeah, I, mean? Definitely. I mean, he he had to be nervous. Um, <laughs> we. You and I get so off topic, but it's so funny at the same exact time. Um, okay, speaking of not that. Well, wait, wait. What here, was the best thing you ate this week? See, you just took my – see, you just literally stole my thunder because I was going to say the perfect transition talking about vomit is now to ask what we, the best thing that we ate in last week was. So thank you for stealing my thunder there. Yeah. I wanted to get away from it a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay, anyway, uh, do you want me to answer first or do you want to answer? Go ahead. Yeah, this is a segment we've done a couple times. Um, okay. The best thing we ate this week, and I think we might have forgotten it last week, which is fine and yeah. kind of typical. But um, let's get into it and 
spend a couple minutes reminiscing on food. All right. So for those of you that know what this is, you're already going to know that I had a really good meal. I went to Mastro's Ocean Club. It was a bit of a, a you know, a, a special event or special occasion. Um, 16 ounce New York strip. I had we had a. Uh, lobster mashed potatoes which were phenomenal Ooh. except for a piece of the lobster had a little bit of a shell so i you know of course i was one that bit into that um mac and cheese mushrooms and creamed corn now on top of that mastro's has this butter cake that is absolutely deadly and by that i mean deadly for anyone that's on a diet like me obviously i was i did not really stick to it that day but my goodness eric it was well worth the money that i spent and i will not say how much but it was expensive it was so so good and i will go back there maybe after i make a few more or get a few more paychecks (laughs) it was but but regardless it was it was it was well worth it. It was great food. It was a, I mean, the service was phenomenal and that's really what you pay for there in all honesty. Um, and just overall, it was, it was great to be able to celebrate a special occasion like that. It was, it was so nice, man. It was so good too. The steak was just cooked perfectly. Sure. Yeah. It's uh there's something about, um, you know, steak can be good when you cook it too, but having someone else do it for you, there's a special quality too. Yeah. Absolutely. And the atmosphere in there is really cool, too. Like we didn't sit in the bar area, but the bar area is really, really cool. So if you ever if you ever want to stop in, I mean, I highly recommend it. it's in Scottsdale, kind of like North Scottsdale, the Kierland uh, Commons area. So, um, right. you know, I highly recommend it. if anyone's looking for a nice night out or something like that, definitely go there. It's so nice. I did not have quite as great of an experience. I enjoyed mine <laughs> plenty, though. Um Mine is just a simple dessert. Have you ever had a brookie before? I have not. Oh, is it uh, like a brownie shaped as a cookie, I'm guessing? It is a brownie, and on top of it is a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, and goodness. And they're both together, and it's just like basically two amazing things put together in two separate flavors, and it was it was delicious. I threw it in the microwave for like five seconds just to give it a tiny little bit of warmth, and it was it was amazing. I was going to say, is it, is it made or is it meant to be eaten warm? You know, I think you can enjoy it however you want. Some people like a, you know, a colder, okay. uh, they don't like a hot cookie necessarily, but I enjoy, you know, I made it a little bit softer and they were Got it. Together, um, to be one thing, but it was, you know, it was, it was so good. Got it. Because I know there's, you know, I think, I think there's actually one in Gilbert, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's called like Baked Bear or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, the first time, the first time I had it was in, uh, I think I was in San Diego, like Mission Beach. They had one and it, it was basically like, you can get like giant, like cookie ice cream sandwiches. And obviously those are meant to be served cold because you have ice cream, you know, in the middle of it. So that's why I want, that's why I asked, because you can also get like kick, uh, cookie skillets that are obviously warm with ice cream on top of it. You can get like a brownie skillet with the same thing. That's why I ask. And my personal favorite, definitely warm cookies and warm brownies all day long. Yeah, they're delicious. And so putting them together for a special treat was fun. Yeah. Actually, I'm probably going to have brownies. um, I won't say what day because I don't need the attention, but this week because my birthday is this week. So, yeah. Ooh, birthday boy. I know. 
I'm not going to say you which day. Would be mad day. if I sang to you on the podcast? Uh, yeah, you don't even know what day it is, so I'm not. So yeah, you wouldn't even get. And it right. I'm not going to sing anyway, so don't worry about it. Okay, cool. I appreciate that. Um, what do you say we wrap things up before you get the itch to actually do it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to give us all a follow on Twitter at Sacklevar, at Human Rights, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. Eric, does your sister have a Twitter account that we want to send her some love uh, when it comes to her follower count? I'm sure she cares just as much as you do. She doesn't have a Twitter, I don't think. She oh, might. Man. She does. She never goes on it. She has an Instagram, but I don't have an Instagram, so I couldn't yeah. even tell you it's. God. Okay. So, well, thank you again to Twitterless Edie Newman for. Uh, for joining us or joining Eric, I should say, it was great to hear, uh, you know, what it's like, what life is like in, in the eyes of a, you know, division one swimmer. Um, it was very, very cool. Uh, again, thank you all for listening and we will talk to you all next week.